Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And welcome to another very exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where I think I'm lost in the time stream this time. I normally wouldn't say something so crazy, but Daniel is missing. McKay is not here. Varen is probably out eating my donuts. Varen, how could you? Oh, You know, maybe it's just time to start telling embarrassing stories about them. Um, but it's probably fitting that I'm the one lost in the time stream. Because that means I'm gonna to have to fire some tachyons to to get my to find my way back. That's right, everybody. Today we're talking about Star Trek. Uh, it's the to, top conversation topic for today because we've just got we we have just been given not one but two new Star Trek esque TV series. And uh, to help me review the pilots of these two new series is the very special guest Anna. Hey Scott, thanks for having me on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, me? It's the royal us, isn't it? I suppose so. Nice. Well, uh, we are going to be talking about the new Star Trek shows. Uh, for those of you who are not in the know, just in case you've been living underneath a rock or you've been uh, completely nerded out by all the Star Wars news that's been coming out, we have two new Star Trek-esque shows. We have the new Star Trek Discovery and the Orville, which... Uh, was originally supposed to be a spoof, from my understanding, but we're going to talk about that today. Uh, so yeah, Anna, uh, tell us a little bit about the Orville. Yeah, so the Orville, it just had its pilot on September 10th, so fairly new out, um, and it's been airing on Fox, and the creator is actually Seth MacFarlane, which a lot of us probably know. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I first heard Seth MacFarlane doing this, I was kind of bummed. I mean, he does amazing at Family Guy. Um, it's it's an incredible series. I just didn't see Family Guy relating to Star Trek. But all of a sudden, like the trailers started coming out, and it just it it seemed like it was something special. It actually seemed pretty hilarious. Yeah, well, Seth MacFarlane had said that this is something that he's wanted to do ever since he was a kid, and that finally the timing felt right for it, and that he really wanted to make it something special. And so he got the contract from Fox to be able to do this. And this season, um, they signed him on for one season, and he has 13 episodes to kind of prove himself for this. Okay, okay. So now, and this was something we discussed before uh, before we started recording, is that I was thinking of this as kind of like, what's that as uh, Galaxy Quest? But you're saying that Seth actually says it's not as much Galaxy Quest. It's not as much Galaxy Quest as it is... Uh, 
other shows. Yeah, no, he actually, he compared this show and the way he wanted it to feel to MASH. He said that, and this is a quote from him, he said, look, if this were a half an hour show, it would be a no-brainer. It's, the tone is the tone. It's a sitcom. But with an hour, there's an obligation to tell a real story with surprising twists. And one show that he said he thought really nailed it was MASH. And so he was kind of going for that kind of feel with it, with taking the drama, but also taking the humor and putting them together. And it comes off as a really like a really flowy, uh, flowy show. It's not what I was expecting, but honestly. Oh, no, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting either. I was really expecting it to be a sitcom, especially from watching previews of it. Just the filming style of it looked really sitcom-y. Yeah, I was really expecting to sit down and see like an episode of Friends in Space. Absolutely. But instead, we, we get... <laughs> And I have to laugh when they start talking about the Planetary Union instead of the Starfleet Federation. That's right. Everything seems to just be a little bit off. All the wording is just a little bit different than what you'd expect with Star Trek. So this TV show takes place in the Planetary Union on a mid-level exploratory space vessel in the 25th century. And Scott, tell us a little bit, what what was the plot of the this pilot that we watched? So the pilot, um, obviously it's Captain Ed Mercer, um, who is Seth MacFarlane. And I do appreciate like him both writing and being part of this. I, I, I would love to be able to do stuff like that. But he, he the whole thing starts off with him walking in on his wife having an affair which is a very Seth MacFarlane kind of humor um and there's there's some bodily humor there and then it jumps to one year later we've all seen the pilot or the uh, trailer where he's talking with his commander which of course they're just slightly different like commander titles than in Star Trek which also is just it, it throws me cuz everything is so almost carbon copy you're looking at it, it's but like just a copy of a copy. tiny, tiny bit different, yeah. It's, it's almost like they're avoiding the copyright infringements. Yeah, kind of almost. Ever so, and yet still. But I mean, you know, they. I was brushing it off as, oh, okay, this is a spoof. And so it'll be okay. Anyway, so he gets his first ship, and all of a sudden he finds out his first officer is his ex-wife. And that is basically the gist of the pilot. No, We don't want to give spoilers, um, but that's that's kind of what it's about. Um, but Scott, let's talk about how did how do we feel about it? Because I was really excited to watch it. Um, but then before we watched it, I started to see some reviews of it on like Rotten Tomatoes, and all of a sudden I got a little nervous. Okay, before we go into how we felt about it, let's talk about this uh, the the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. An odd jumble of campiness and sincerity, homage and satire, the Orville never quite achieves liftoff. Ouch. So the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it, that was the consensus, and they gave it a 20%. That's, that's, and for Fox, as far as Fox numbers are concerned, that's, that's, that's on its way out. Fox, well, Fox loves to cancel things. But here's, here's what I wonder, though, because even though, the consensus from critics was odd jumble and not very good and doesn't achieve liftoff. The audiences, though, were giving it an 89%. They were 89. saying it was fresh. So that was that was really quite bizarre. And so, like, my review, like, hearing that, like, it's like the audiences are saying, it's an odd jumble of campiness and sincerity. 
homage and satire. Like it, and it just ended in the review at that. Like, in my opinion, like it was not what I was expecting. No, and it was and not. I think that the critics were stuck up or stuck up. <laughs> critics are always stuck up. We're critics, and we're stuck up. But I feel like they were held up in their mind's eye by what they were expecting it to be, instead yeah. of what it actually turned out to be. Because it was kind of campy. I mean, you have one line in there, and I'm gonna spoiler. They're they're communicating with someone on uh, the view screen, and there's a dog licking himself in the background, which is it, it seems kind of out of place. Um, and they actually make reference to it, like they directly call it out. There's is he a dog licking himself? Yeah, first thing I was drawn to, and that's what I was expecting this entire show to be. I yeah, I was expecting that same thing. I was expecting it to really be Star Trek, but for it to be a sitcom. And then when we actually sat down to watch the pilot, I first of all was surprised that it wasn't just twenty minute episode, but that they were hour long episodes. Um, and I was also surprised that it wasn't constant humor, that it really was a combination of drama with comedy, but then the filming style was filmed in the style of a sitcom, like the sets and the costumes and the lighting, it's all very sitcom-ish. So I was having a hard time with that because everything was screaming, sitcom! But then the writing of it seemed almost more just normal Star Trek-ish. And, I, and the, the subject matter as well was a little serious. Yeah, yeah. Subject matter. I, I, feel like, I feel like they almost took like an episode of like a Voyager or Next Generation mm -hmm. and they slightly modernized it. And then they took and threw in like a light peppering of McFarlane gags. Yeah. You know, like the uh, like the dog, like the 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 affair. It, it was literally like it was normal a normal Star Trek episode, like a classic good Star Trek episode, but with, with a little bit of like commentary on the side. Like you might sit around in your house on the sofa teasing as you watch a, a show. And and it, it's almost like eating sweet and sour chicken to me. It's like oh, it's sweet. Oh, it's sour. Oh, it's sweet. Oh, it's sour. And it's kind of hard to find that mesh. And I feel like by the third episode, I know we're only talking about the pilot. <laughs> I know we're only doing that, but I feel like by the third episode, I was laughing out loud because I'd found that comfort. Well, I, yeah, I was starting to get it more, but that the pilot like really did shock me. But let's let's talk about another pilot. So there's Star <laughs> Trek. Star Trek Discovery is another pilot that just aired. It aired around the same time on September 19th, and this one is being uh, shown through CBS All Access, which most of us have probably never heard of. <laughs> Can, can I go so far as to say this show is actually being held hostage by CBS All Access? Um, yeah, I think that's perfectly <laughs> fair to say. Um, CBS originally, Discovery, um, they were trying to get it on Showtime and Netflix and Amazon, but they couldn't afford to um, to have Star Trek Discovery because they've been spending 8 to $8.5 million per 40-minute episode. But CBS was willing to take it on because they want to launch CBS All Access, which if you haven't heard of it, it's like a streaming site just like Netflix or Amazon is or Hulu that you have to pay for. And if anybody wants my opinion on that, you can go check out our other show where we talk about streaming services and about how Disney and everybody else is getting on board with this boat. So basically, instead of paying cable bills, now we're just going to be paying like 6 to $10 per channel per uh 
a streaming service. It's and- ridiculous. We already pay for Netflix and Amazon and Hulu at our house. And now I'm just like, what? We have to pay for CBS all access so we can watch this one show. The CW's streaming app is lo- is free. Yeah, which I love. It's, I-, I love that it's free, but at the same time, I still hate it because they took everything off of Hulu. Oh, that's true. It was I'd on be Hulu fine. before. I'd be fine paying yeah. for one service if I knew that all my shows were there. But instead, now I'm logging into different apps every other day to see, oh, is there any new shows? Oh, no. I'll log into this other app five minutes later. Oh, no, still nothing there. And now, so they're just adding one more. And on top of Discovery, all you're getting is uh, the odd couple and maybe some Big Bang Theory. Yeah, they have like the young Sheldon on Big Bang Theory too. Intriguing, but $6. It's just, it's it's obnoxious. Another bill to have to pay to watch a couple of shows. But um, uh, despite it being on CBS All Access, um, there are some things that sound a little promising about this. Um, and to me, what seems promising about it is the creators and the writers who are working on this. Well, didn't you say that Brian Fuller, the writer for Deep Space Nine and Voyager, is is one of the main one of the main creators here? Yeah. So Brian Fuller is one of the main creators, along with Alex Kurtzman, who was the co-writer for Star Trek and for Into Darkness. And then they also have a writer for this, um, Nicholas Meyer. Um, and he was the writer and director for Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country. So they really have a lot of big names um, from the Star Trek universe here working on Star Trek Discovery. And I have to go into this. Like, it felt like watching this, it felt more like Wrath of Khan epicness. Oh my gosh. Well, it did not feel like a normal Star Trek episode it, no. it definitely felt like a movie and that was something that uh, they actually really wanted um, some of the the makers of the show were saying that they really wanted it to have more of a cinematic feel instead of episode feels and that they wanted it to have that look and feel of the J.J. Abrams filming, which also explains the big price tag for each episode. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie. And, and this was something else that I, and I know I'm jumping back to the, uh, to the Orville. The sets are huge. Like the bridge is enormous. For the Orville? Yeah, it's a decent size yeah. set. Yeah, it, it is. It feels a like it's bigger size. than Next Gen or Voyager's set uh, for their bridge, but Discovery especially. Discovery their, was humongous. Their bridge for the sets. is enormous. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like, and the feel of it reminded me of a, of the mix between uh, Starship the Enterprise Enterprise's bridge, you know, which was very mechanical, yeah. but very condensed, versus the Apple Store version of Star Trek, <laughs> which is very wide and way too well lit i mean it was like they took those two and said okay we want something in the middle because obviously this is a time frame right in the middle well it's not right in the middle but it's between those two and it is kind of between those two even with the filming pattern of it because they definitely went with the jj abrams look of how it's filmed but it has a disturbing lack of lens flare, which J.J. Abrams is famous for. But I did kind of appreciate that they don't have like an overabundance of lens flare this time around in this filming. So one thing that does disturb me about this, because it is kind of between the two, because they have come out and said that uh, Star Trek Discovery is in a separate timeline from both the original yep. TV series, all the TV series, and the two movies. So hold up, hold up. It it's in an alternate timeline. It's not connected to the the J.J. Abrams movies. It's not connected to the 
to the to the TV shows that we already know, and that's really kind of frustrating to me because unlike Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's gone through iteration of iteration after iteration in different universes, all and even those are all connected. These timelines are in no way connected to each other. So really, they while well, on one hand they can do whatever they want, on the other hand, like there's no guarantee that Sulu even exists in this uh, in this reality. That's absolutely correct. But the thing about it is that this reality does take place just about 10 years before the original Star Trek. But like you said, in a separate timeline. So the actual story of the pilot, um, it follows female first officer Michael Burnham um, aboard the USS Shenzo. Shenzo. And Shenzo. It, it's a beautiful ship. Yes. And the story of the pilot is all about them being aboard the Shenzo and as the Federation Klingon War uh, begins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And way too much Klingon dialogue in this, but... <laughs> and the main Klingon in it, he actually, he spoke really slowly. He reminded me a lot of Bane. Um, and I had a hard time not making fun of his voice. <laughs> he reminds me of having fake teeth in his mouth and that he was trying to breathe as... And that's got to be obnoxious. I've only had one role in my life where I had fake teeth and it was the most obnoxious thing ever. So for that, like, hey, awesome. Like, you did an amazing job. I just... Yeah, well, because those those Klingons had a lot of makeup and a lot of prosthetics, I bet, that they were having to wear. So I bet it really did impede them quite a bit. And the Klingons look fairly different as well in this version. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't look like they did in the movie. They don't look like they did in the TV show. It's kind of a blending, but kind of their own weird, different new thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much I really like it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it is really different. And I was reading about how they wanted to make a lot of things kind of similar, but also kind of different. Like they were talking about how they really purposely wanted to make the costumes look different, which they really do. They're beautiful, but they're mm -hmm. very different. Um, and how they wanted to make the Klingons look different. They didn't really, I guess, dig the feel of what the Klingons had looked like in other place in other versions. And also, they really wanted to make the lighting look different. Uh, so as you watch it, you'll see that there are a lot of things that are different, although the feel is really similar. And the feel being really similar, I think, comes because they said, the creators were saying that they really wanted to base the feel of this show off of Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but with, quote, some violent things and a tiny bit of language. Okay, I got Deep Space Nine. I definitely get the Deep Space Nine. I get the cinematic view. Like I, I get all those feels. I'm not feeling as much of the Voyager feel. No, not not quite yet, except for maybe the strong female leads, because it really does focus a lot on strong female leads. Um, but the rest of it, I'm not really getting that sense of Voyager quite yet. But That's true. The male leads are either kind of a weaker male or they're the Klingon that's going to tear everybody that's asunder. Right. That's right. Well, hey, let's talk about what uh, people are saying oh, about this. So in contrast with the Orville, like the critics love this thing. Yeah, the critics are giving it on Rotten Tomatoes an 86%. And they say that it's a very polished production with a complex Plot and several compelling characters. Agree, agree, and agree. Uh, but but audiences are not agreeing. Audiences are definitely not agreeing. They're saying fifty nine percent. Which is that rotten or is that still 
considered That's semi-fresh. considered rotten. Ooh. So the audiences are saying it's rotten, and the critics on this one are calling it fresh, which is the opposite of what was going on with the Orville. So tell me, Scott, oh. what's your personal feelings on it? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, can I be perfectly honest? Yes, I think can. that part of that audience, 59%, is frustration, the fact that it's being held hostage under CBS access. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm no, serious. I'm serious um, about that so, too because I'm frustrated about it. Yeah. I'm kind of upset that I'm going to need, I know it's not all that much that I need to pay each month to watch it, but I'm upset that it's the only show I'm going to be watching on CBS All Access and then I have to pay to watch a couple episodes. And for me, it was frustrating because we downloaded this on two different Xboxes. We tried accessing it on our computer. Uh, two internet browsers were having difficulty with the service. Uh, I finally, think it's such finally, a new service. our Blu-ray player wouldn't even access the the CBS app. We got it to work finally on Firefox on our computer, hooked up to our TV, and that's the only way we could actually watch it. And so that. Just it, it felt like I had so much that I had to do to earn. I would I rather. I feel like there are just so many bugs in it right now, probably because it is so new. Like I said, they're using this show, Discovery, to try to get people to sign up for CBS All Access. So it's it's really brand new, and I just don't think they figured out all the bugs yet. See, and that being said, like, and this will be coming to like uh, other like rented services like iTunes eventually, but the initial release is going to be on CBS Access. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking about getting CBS Access maybe for a month, maybe like two or three months down the line <laughs> so I can binge watch it. I, I think that I might do the same thing. Like, I think that's a really, really smart idea. But Which besides, will hurt. It will hurt the view. It will hurt the viewership of this. But besides the frustration on CBS All Access, I really did enjoy watching it though. Like you can really feel that the people who are writing this and directing it um, and just working on the set, like really understand what Star Trek is all about. And I feel like it, even though it's in a different timeline, <laughs> um, I, I feel like it really did stay true to the feel of Star Trek. Oh yeah, it definitely, it definitely felt the, I felt the cinematic Star Trek universe in there. Um, too much Klingon. I think that if you cut down on 25 to 50% of the Klingon, I think it would be a much better show. Um, I love seeing Michael interacting with the captain. Um, I love seeing those, all the actors did such an amazing job on really the ship. They really did. And I would have loved to see more, one, the battle, and two, the ship. But what you did see of the battle and of the ship were amazing. You can definitely see where the 8 to $8.5 million <laughs> was going because yeah. the graphics and the sets and the lighting were all so marvelous that I felt like I was watching a feature film. And I feel like if they were putting this kind of money towards a Star Wars like series, I feel like the show would stay on the air. But the fact that they're putting it towards a Star Trek show... As beautiful as it is, I think it would make an amazing movie. I think it would have been great. But as far as for a TV show, I don't see it staying on the air with that kind of budget. So that's that's my feeling on it. I like it. I, I hope that it stays on air, but I share your same concern that with it costing so much that CBS, even though they're using it to launch CBS All Access, that they might not be able to keep it going. And I hope that I'm wrong. Um, I was hoping that I was wrong with Terra Nova, but same thing. Like Fox just said, it's just too expensive. Like people are liking it, but it's just too expensive for what it is. Yeah. And I don't see them cutting budget on this. Like it was so epic, so amazing. I just don't see how they can cut budget, especially with the size of the sets Yeah. and the feel that they're going for. Well, let's talk about the two in comparison to each other because <laughs> we have Star Trek Discovery and then we have Orville. Um, 
how how do you feel, Scott, about neither one of these shows being in the Star Trek canon? They're both Star Trek-y, but neither, neither one, one of them. them is in the Star Trek universe. Uh, it's it's weird. It's like waking up Christmas morning. Uh, and while you asked Santa for a Super Mario or a, Super, or a Nintendo, you, you open your presents and you find both a Sega Genesis and an Atari. You know, neither one of them contains Super Mario. Oh, I really want my Super Mario Brothers. But all of a sudden you realize you've got two really good game systems here. You have double what you had before, which was nothing. You had nothing other than Star Wars, which I love Star Wars, but you just didn't have it. So I'm excited, but I'm still disappointed that neither one of them are in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, well, and I knew that going into the Orville, I knew that it wasn't going to be in the Star Trek universe. So I suppose I'm not as disappointed about that. Um, it's just more of a fun, oh, look, it's a Star Trek-ish show. It almost feels a little like um, like a fan film, almost. A fan film, but with famous people and and a larger budget. Um, yeah, but then, yeah, it's a fan film. But then it's the, Seth MacFarlane's fan film. Yeah, it is. Well, he said he, he's been wanting to do this since he was a kid, so like, it honestly does sound like it's his fan film time. I wish the robot looked better, but sorry, that's his... Yeah. <laughs> but... I, I was a little shocked, though, to find out that Discovery wasn't in the same universe and timeline. That was more of a shock to me because I was kind of hoping that they could tie that in with upcoming movies since they're just supposed to be 10 years apart. But they came up with an agreement so that they wouldn't have to. Yeah, and I guess that was something that they really wanted was that they didn't want to have to make the movies and the shows depend on each other, but that they could keep developing them independently. Dum, 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 dum. Because <sighs> it's worked so well in the past, you know, I mean, between Star Trek and Next Generation and how they smoothly transitioned into film. It was just like watching a big Star Trek episode that was just longer. And I loved that. But we can't get that from this well, unless they, they change with the, They did that with the Avengers movies. Right. And some people have mixed feelings about that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Me, I love it. I love seeing... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. taking place on a more uh, down-to-earth level. You're actually seeing HYDRA taking over and the, the results of that in the S.H.I.E.L.D. organization. And I feel like this could have been just like that, except at $8 million an episode that they could have done a lot more in depth. Yeah. Well, okay, so I know that the Orville isn't in the Star Trek universe, but Scott, which one of these shows between the Orville and Discovery, which one do you feel like is more an, of an accurate representation of what you feel like is the Star Trek universe? Uh, Sega Genesis versus Atari. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, both have different feelings. Orville feels like... It feels like they took an episode of Voyager or Next Generation. They took all the characters, made them a little funnier, a little stupider... <laughs> And threw in a couple fart jokes, and bam, it's on TV. And I feel like for today's audience, I I feel like it's going to be a winner. So I feel like that feels like the TV Star Trek, just modernized and a little more dominized. Yeah, I guess you could say uh, sitcomed. <laughs> sitcomed, it yeah. really is. Um, without being a, without a being spoof. funny, <laughs> it's not a spoof. Well, it's funny, but it's just not. But it's spoof. not a spoof, and I really expected it to be yeah. more spoofy. Uh, exactly. Yeah. While I feel that uh, the other Star Trek Discovery is much more, uh, it's cinematic Star Trek, but how they are extending out the uh, the story, they're making it much more dramatic, thematic. Like it feels like 
it feels like they're not making a two-hour movie. They're making an eight-hour movie. Yeah, well, actually, originally, when they were making the Discovery, uh, Brian Fuller really wanted it to be, like, apparently, like, really allegorical and, like, have a lot of in-depth character analysis, take it really slow, have a lot of, like, um, I don't know... And really have a lot of discussion about kind of like social issues within the setting of like the Star Trek universe. So he was really kind of taking it in a kind of a different direction almost, I would say. While the Orville is having an entire episode dedicated to what is gender and how does gender relate to your identity as a person. Well, so I suppose suppose both shows like kind of wanted to have a little bit of that feel of discussing social issues along with Star Trek, which I guess before I said, I guess maybe that's going a little away from Star Trek, but looking back on shows, like I guess they've always kind of discussed some yeah. of those things. Star but Trek think, has always been about race and about gender and about uh, who you are as a person. Uh, they always have investigated these in a more 24th century kind of approach. Yeah. And I, I've always enjoyed that. So I feel like both shows are, well, okay, I feel like the Orville's bluntly doing it, um, and I appreciated the episode. I thought it was hilarious, episode three. Oh, I don't want to give away spoilers, but it's it, it, go watch it. It's hilarious. Uh, we'll talk about that on next week's show. Um, but, yeah. But let's talk about some grades for these shows. Oh, we're grading. We're already on the grading? You and Daniel. Okay. Um, should I be the Daniel? It's a C. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, He's a little rough on his grading. <laughs> of course he is. Um, but justly so. He, he'd be one of those critics that would give it like the 59 or 20%. That's just so Well, harsh. which what? Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So real grades. We're talking about real grades. Real grades here. Now, are we comparing this to... Let's compare them to what they actually are. Um, and the Orville is a sitcom. An hour-long sitcom that... But he's specifically, but but Seth MacFarlane is specifically saying that he doesn't want it to be viewed as a sitcom because it's an hour long instead of a thirty minute. So, but that is still like messing with my mind a little bit, even though I'm enjoying watching it. Okay, um, <laughs> my grade for the Orville. Mm-hmm. We're doing the Orville grade. Yeah. As far as for a TV show that I would watch on a weekly basis. I give it an A minus, no B plus, B plus, solid B plus. Um, that's just because it was not what I was expecting, and I am still slowly getting over that. But all in all, it has everything that I want in a show. It has character development, it has uh, some good laughs, and it even has some lowbrow humor, which uh, mainly I like every now and then to have yeah. a little fart humor every now and then. Um, and it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's not as <laughs> it's, bad I thought, as I thought it was. It's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> That's not, always what someone wants to hear about a show that they've poured their heart and soul into. It's not as, it's not as lowbrow as Family Guy. Like, yeah, no, that's true. I thought it was going to be a lot more lowbrow. And you're saying you're giving it, like, what, B plus? B plus, B+ because plus. It's, it's very watchable. It still has the occasional lowbrow joke. But overall, like, all the actors do an excellent job. It's a fun show to watch. It's very watchable. It's laughable. It it has good points. It's just it's you a good see, show. I would give it around the same grade, maybe a little bit lower, maybe a B minus. But I'm really enjoying watching it. Um, 
I, I think that they could add a little more humor into it. I know that Seth MacFarlane said he wanted it to his inspiration was a bit of like that mash type of humor of combining the the funny with the serious. And I think that it could use a little more work for combining the two of those and making a really fleshed out story. But I agree with you. I'm totally enjoying watching it and I'm looking forward to another episode of it being released. With Discovery, what's your view on the Discovery? Final um, grade. You get to go first this time. Okay. So I hadn't come up with a grade yet that I wanted to give to Discovery. But first of all, just let me say that with Discovery, I am incredibly excited to watch it. Like with the Orville, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like I'll, I'll watch that. Uh, you know, I'll sit down after work and, and watch that as I eat dinner. But with Discovery, I'm like, oh my gosh, when's the next episode coming out? I want to see what happens next. Um, I'm really invested in the characters. Um, and I, I, I feel like I'm going to give it an A. I'm really excited about it. Wow. Yeah. That's... It was had a flushed out story, flushed out characters. The cinematography was just gorgeous. The script writing is beautiful. And you have a team of people who have worked on so many other Star Trek shows and movies that I've really enjoyed. So no wonder it has that great feel to it. The Klingon monologuing has okay, brought it down. Okay, the Klingon monologuing no, 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 is horrible. I'm justifying my grade. Okay. I'm justifying my grade um, because I want to give it like just for the Star Trek being on the bridge. The the battle was awesome. Uh, the character uh, was beautiful. Um, the Klingon costumes were great. really pretty, though. Even they, if I didn't like their monologue. Oh, they were pretty, and I loved how you could still <laughs> see the. Uh, even on all the Klingon cruisers, you could still see what the Klingon cruisers were originally. Like you could yeah. see like that original you influence. You see all the original inspiration. Yeah. And I, I loved seeing that more modern uh, version of them. Um, but the monologuing and just the story behind was so subtitled and so long. I have to give it, I can't give it above a B. Solid B. Um, but uh, hey, that's even with all the other fun stuff. I do not know if I'm going to be watching it just because $6 a month. Uh, I guess that's going to be four episodes though, right? I mean, because it's uh, one episode a week that will release. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be 15 episodes overall. So we have a few months that we have to pay for a subscription to CBS All Access. If you want to see it first, you have to pay the, the CBS All Access. Um, don't be a pirate. <laughs> don't be a Klingon. Um, I guess Klingons have honor. Hey, they have honor. Yeah, honor. They pay. I didn't see a lot of honor going on with these Klingons. I'm not going to lie. They thought the Federation was dishonorable. How they always say, we come in peace. And they're like, hell no, you don't. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get that from these Klingons. These Klingons, I don't get honor. I, I, I really don't. Once you watch the pilot, you'll see what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was rough. But the way that they were taking care of their dead, they were very honorable with them. I disagree with you. I think that they're pretty honorable. I mean, yeah, sure, they're starting a war here. <laughs> but, I mean, they feel like they have a good reason to. That's true. That's true. So if you want to pay, what, $1.25 a week for an episode, which is cheaper than, well, I guess iTunes is for HD. I don't know. Um, if, if you're up for paying the $6 a month for an additional service for a couple of months, although I'm sure there's going to be a couple of weeks where they're going to miss an episode or they're going to hold off and like release them not every week. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If you feel it's worth it, then great. Go for it. Um, 
it's a fun show, and I will definitely binge watch as soon as the entire episode or entire series comes out. Overall, I'm excited for both of them. They are. <laughs> it's almost kind of nice to get a break from the Star Wars too, but it's okay. We're we're gonna get plenty of Star Wars coming up here really soon. Um, new trailers coming out here in the next couple weeks. Mark Hamill revealed that it's coming out on October. I'd have to look it up. Uh, we'll post it in the comments. So what's your view on the whole Star Trek Discovery versus the Orville? Uh, we want to hear your guys' thoughts. Go ahead and post in the comments uh, below. Go ahead and send us a message. Tell us we're full of, uh, of batleths or if we're, uh, we're on point on this one. And if you think that they're going to die and be dead in space or if these ships are going to go above and beyond and where oh so many shows have boldly gone before... <laughs> and win their way into our hearts uh thank you for joining us today on dungeon crawlers and hopefully by next time we'll be out of the time stream back with daniel anna thanks again for joining us today no worries and uh hey we'll catch you guys on the other side beam me up